and welcome to the Jonesing for Sports podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we hope your grieving process is still going well. We appreciate all the thoughts and prayers that we've received over uh, the distribution of our last podcast. That's been tremendous and very helpful for all of us, I, I think. Um, it's a very difficult time to be a Michigan fan of any Michigan-based teams as uh, their success is collectively trending downwards, but we're going to try and keep this a little lighthearted with some fun scales, uh, comparison scales. We're also going to be talking about the upcoming games for Michigan and Michigan State. And at the end, we're also going to be discussing the post-game comments made by James Franklin and the situation that is Ronnie Bell dropping the potentially game-tying touchdown pass at the end. So stay tuned for what we have. Thanks for joining us, and we'll get into it. So, Cody, after listening to uh, last week's podcast, a few of my friends were talking to me about the podcast and just what they had thought about a few things. And one thing I heard a lot was that they loved your intro last week, but also one of them said that you remind them of Jesse Eisenberg, your voice. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never thought that before until now, and now I think about it every time you do an intro. Well... I got to say that hurts a little bit because as far as the voice goes, I do not like Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> but I do think that's a good comparison a little bit because uh, I would say you two are definitely the more knowledgeable gurus of the sports world and are more aware of the happenings of what's going on. And I love just trying to throw a topic out there and pit you guys against each other, <laughs> especially painting one as the optimist, one as the pessimist and just watching you guys go at it. But, um, yeah, I definitely heard a lot of feedback from that as well. It was kind of funny just hearing people, like, really analyze our different takes on um, this negative circumstance, how my response was definitely uh, comedy, Brandon's was despair, and Travis was just fire and brimstone (laughs) rage. Um, I heard a lot of people, they felt like it helped them uh, process. Right. They worked through all the emotions of what you kind of listed, and so... Where we're at as Michigan State of Michigan fans right now, it's still pretty bleak. Nothing has really turned around much for the state yet since our last podcast. And so, we, like you introduced, we really have an opportunity here to be really ho-hum again. But we, uh, we're going to try and cover those ho-hum topics in a somewhat more light manner. By the way, uh, with the Eisenberg, um, that's his name, right? Yeah. yeah. So that makes Cody Lex Luthor... I'm totally Batman and Travis is Superman, so I'm really pumped about that. I thought you were going to give me Robin there for a second. I would have ran with that. Yeah, you could have been Lego Batman's Robin. <laughs> All right, I'll go with that one. Uh, so, Coder Brand, do you guys want to introduce uh, this first segment that we're going to do? Uh, sure. So, we have a lot of things to be disappointed about right now in the state of Michigan in the world of sports. And so, we made our scale... It's the why can't we have nice things disappointment scale. So we're just going to go through all of the things that have really kind of fallen apart recently. Um, You're probably aware of most all the the sports teams that are not living up to expectations or finding new creative ways to self-destruct. And we're going to talk about those and then give a random example of disappointment for how disappointed we are in that situation. So I think Travis is going to lead us off with the Red Wings. Yeah, so I'll get this kicked off with our disappointment scale. <laughs> and uh, so the Red Wings, we talked about them a little bit earlier and kind of gave a preview. They started off real fire. 
they won a few of their first few games. They looked like they could really compete with anybody. And now their record is 3-7. and seven. <laughs> And they <laughs> are second to last in the Atlantic Division. I think they started 3-1. and one. Uh, yes, They've <laughs> lost their last six games. Uh, which really fits in the power rankings of a lot of analysts before the season started, where they thought the Red Wings were rebuilding, retooling. And I got a little bit ahead of myself and thought, wow, we started off real hot. Larkin looks like a <laughs> leader. <make> playoffs. <laughs> I won't lie, that was in the back of my mind. <laughs> it was at the front of your mind. <laughs> Maybe. Manta's going to break the scoring record, baby. <laughs> uh, we had a friend p- tell us, he was our fact checker, and... Man, when Mantha had that four game, four goal game, <laughs> he told us that he was on track to break uh, Gretzky's goal record by like seventy goals. <laughs> <laughs> and so the downfall there has been quite extreme. It's still only ten games into the year; lots can happen. But to compare this disappointment, uh, I'm going to compare it to going to an amusement park, where on a beautiful day you go to an amusement park, things are looking great, but when you get there. The wait for every good ride is two hours plus. I, to me, there's not much worse than that because you're going and you spend probably two-thirds of your time at an amusement park just standing in line. Uh, now that you have to like buy fast passes and plan your fast passes out before you go to the park, uh, it's a big disappointment to me. And that's kind of where I feel with the Red Wings as they're a really long amusement park ride right now. Yeah, and then you accidentally get fast passes for the Little Mermaid ride instead of like Space Mountain. <laughs> Did the Joneses do that? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, next, I think we got Cody with the Tigers. Yeah, so the Tigers are atrocious. You don't need us to tell you that. But the thing that really hurts the most if you're paying attention to this postseason is that there are three former Tigers pitchers that are still in action in the World Series right now. And it's very difficult to really see that because we just didn't really seem to put up much of a fight for them. And so this whole Tigers rebuilding process, in my mind, it takes me back to October of 2012. We had a pumpkin carving contest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some members of my family and our cousins and family friends. So my my cousin Nathan and I, we set out on carving Spider-Man's face into this pumpkin. And when we put a candle inside this pumpkin, it looked so cool, and we were just like, okay, we're winning this contest, no <laughs> doubt. Then we got Brandon and his good buddy Ben, and they went and carved the scene where Darth Sidious is electrocuting Mace Windu <laughs> up on the windowsill, or whatever you call that, and that's just an incredible idea. I love the creativity there. But then, fast forward to the time to present all our pumpkins, Nobody had any clue what the heck our pumpkins even were. They didn't see Spider-Man. They saw a bunch of weird lines. And I don't even know what they thought Brandon's pumpkin looked like. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we had these these grand ideas, and they just didn't pale through because we really did not have the artistic ability to create something of any value. And so then we had our cousin Justin, who kind of kept it a little more simple, but he just made the state of Michigan with the UP, and it was just such a beautiful carving and when you put the candle inside the pumpkin it just looked fantastic and he won by a landslide everybody chose him and so it just goes to show that we as a tigers organization has this idea of rebuilding you know it may look good on paper actually i don't even think it looks good on paper (laughs) um they They think it looks good on paper they thank you they think it looks good on paper but you need to fight for your talent they don't have 
any skill players right now, and any that they do have, they sell away for nothing. And so that's just incredibly painful to watch. It's so painful to see these players that we had on our roster succeeding on the biggest stage in baseball, and it's almost as painful as carving a legendary pumpkin that nobody recognizes. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Moral of the story, if you've got Justins on your team, don't trade them away for Cody's and Brandon's because they just can't do the same things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to fight for them. Got to fight. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and move into the next series of our disappointments in our state. Um, I think that the injuries to um, Franz Wagner and Josh Langford are just about the, the biggest definition of what it means to be a, a fan in, in the state of Michigan. Both football fan bases are moving on to basketball. We're, we realize that it's really not in reach anymore. So we're, we're looking forward to basketball, you know, anything else to put our hope into. And so for Michigan, um, they're looking forward to a new season, a new coach, a new rec new recruit with Franz Wagner. Michigan State, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with Michigan State. Michigan State is preseason ranked number one for the first time ever. That actually shocked me when I heard that. I, I thought they would have been number one before. This is the first time they've been preseason number one. And I believe it was the day that it came out that they were preseason number one. Their former five-star recruit, starting shooting guard, Langford, is reported that his foot injury has resurfaced, and he's out indefinitely, at least until January. And at that point, it's like, is he even going to be able to come back in January, or are they just going to reevaluate? It's really kind of scary to think about if you're a state fan, and you're, you've got these number one hopes. You're, you really need to look forward to basketball, because football has been atrocious, and then that happens. And so for my disappointment scale, I'll have to paint you a little bit of a picture here. Imagine Star Wars Episode Seven. They're attacking Starkiller Base, which is ridiculous, by the way. I could talk about that on another podcast. Um, but they're, they're attacking Starkiller Base, and Poe and his fleet, they're kind of swooping in to shoot their torpedoes, drop their bombs on... I don't know what they're trying to shoot, if there's like a generator or something, but they're aiming for a, a portion of Starkiller Base to try to explode it. And they swoop in there, they shoot it like crazy, and Poe is like super excited. He's like, yeah, good job, guys. And then this alien pilot swoops over to him, and he's like, yeah, but no damage. <laughs> and he's like super disappointed, even though it kind of seemed exciting at first. And then you realize, oh, wait, we can't even touch this thing. Um so that's kind of where I see that level of disappointment. There's a lot of excitement in Michigan State's basketball ability and then a big knock. Now, I'm not saying that they can't still take out you know, that base because I think they're going to be fine, honestly. Um, last year, they played pretty much all of their games without Langford. Um, the guys replacing him are very good. Um, I think Rocket Watts is going to be really good. But uh, who is the uh, I always get him confused i think aaron henry i believe played that position last year he's hurt right now too i don't oh, think it's, not it's uh aaron arns i you know i'm i think arns is a good player <laughs> but i i think his ceiling is incredibly low compared to uh aaron henry or gabe brown i think that the guys who are going to fill that spot are going to do just fine but when you add langford to that mix it's like i think they are star killer base that's <laughs> an elite attack and now they've lost one of their best players again it's very disappointing um but at the same time it might not even knock them off so that's where i'm at there but it is it's a little ridiculous at this point it's like 
you think that you're going in with the Death Star, and there's always that one fatal flaw, and that's where we're at with Michigan State. But I think they'll be okay. Um, Along the topic of Langford's injury, one of my favorite podcasts of all time, One Shining Podcast, RIP. It uh, They used to talk, when Langford got hurt last year, they, they jokingly called it uh, manufactured adversity, <laughs> saying <laughs> it was made up, Izzo made it up, and it was just, uh, they say, one of the best ways to get a young team prepared for the long season is early adversity, which is kind of proven. You've seen where that's uh, happened, but their running joke was anytime somebody got hurt at Michigan State, Izzo would come and say this undisclosed injury, and it sounded kind of sketchy. Uh, we know we know now that this injury was real, but I really like the narrative of its manufactured adversity, <laughs> just to help build young Rocket Watts into a star, get him a little adversity to build him up. Well, I can see a little bit of that last year towards the end of the year with Arn spraining <laughs> his ankle, and they act like it was like that guy whose leg bone was sticking out of his leg at Louisville. Like It was not that bad of an injury, but the team was like crying. So that that was a little ridiculous, but uh, for, for Langford, I do definitely feel for him because if this doesn't get resolved, you know his pro future is definitely in jeopardy. They said um, Arn sprained his ankle in that scrimmage against Gonzaga last week. I wonder if they all were crying again about that. <laughs> Sorry, we'll get off of that, Michigan State fans. (laughs) I almost commented about that injury earlier, but I thought, you know, we're trying to make a podcast for Michigan State fans, too. I probably should just bite my tongue. Then you guys went all in. (laughs) He plays hard, guys. He does play hard. I like that. All right, moving on. (laughs) Franz Wagner. So I was getting really excited because just last week, uh, Detroit Free Press put out an article that associate head coach Phil Martelli described Wagner as basketball's rain man or a basketball savant. He said he just knows where to be, what to do, where to put the ball, and where to put his hands. It's like he just knows he's got another sense that other players don't have. Hmm. And that's the kind of description that is exciting. That's the elite player. That's that Mamba mentality, you know, that this guy just wins. All right. So I'm thinking, oh, he might be even better. I mean, this guy is like a, a two or three that's six nine. That's scary. I mean, this guy could be awesome. A couple days later, uh, breaks his wrist. So he's out for at least a month. Four to six weeks is what they're reporting. Um, uh, the way I look at this one, especially as a, a Michigan fan, I, I was really looking towards basketball because after that loss to Penn State, you realize that there's not a ton to look forward to with the football program. And so uh, Juwan Howard has a, a huge recruit come in. Um, you're starting to look forward to the season. And uh, I, I don't remember what year it was, but we went on a family vacation to Florida. Probably that same time we uh, struggled at the Magic Kingdom with fast passes and things <laughs> like that. But I think it was the first time I had actually driven. So Brian and I drove our car separately. And we were going through Georgia – we were scheduled to stop at a hotel for the night around dinner time. And so I had been driving all day, and I really haven't done that much driving before, so I was really tired and really hungry. But I was holding out because I knew the Joneses have this tradition that if you stay at a hotel, you also will eat pizza. Yeah, It's like a thing. And I remember other times I've been at hotels when I wasn't with my family, other people didn't do that, and I was kind of shocked. Like, why are we not eating pizza? We're at a hotel. Come on. That's like what you're supposed to do. 
So I knew pizza was coming, so I was looking forward to it. And, man, I was getting so hungry. And then you hit us. Uh, you know, you're going through Atlanta. There's always traffic jams in there, and you're stuck in Atlanta for hours. So we don't get to the hotel till like, 9 o'clock. And I remember you guys actually went disc golfing. Um, oh, yeah. It's a beautiful course. And <laughs> I, I really wanted to go, but I was so afraid because I was so hungry, and I was so looking forward to that pizza. I wasn't going to let that pizza enter the room for more than two minutes without me attacking it. That's why you didn't go disc golfing with I, us? I, like, th- that's seriously the reason. I was so hungry. I was looking forward to that pizza for hours. Oh, man. So I'm so excited. And, and the pizza, it took forever. It was like over an hour delivery. So it's it's approaching, it's after 10. I'm starving. I haven't eaten until <laughs> since like noon. Uh, really tired, long day of travel. Pizza gets here. We always get chicken bacon ranch. Open up that pizza. From the top, chicken bacon ranch. Bite into it. It's marinara sauce. <laughs> marinara with chicken and bacon, and then they put the ranch on top? Like, <laughs> what kind of... Oh, I was so mad. And it, it was so bad that I couldn't even eat it. Like, normally, you can just eat mediocre pizza, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we eat Little Caesars all the time. Hey, um, <laughs> don't badmouth Little Caesars. That's the best deal in America. I'm just saying, like, just pretty bad pizza most people can eat i couldn't even eat it and i was starving mm. i was so sad and i just <laughs> went to bed just upset just ready to get to disney world because i needed something to really cheer me up so that's where i'm at with franz wagner i really see this having a pretty big effect on them because who's gonna play the shooting guard for them um you know you think of maybe de julius that guy is more of a point guard there's a huge drop-off from Wagner. I mean, that's a huge pickup. When they got him, that's a season-changing player. And so I see their first month or so of the season not being as smooth as I thought it would be, and I hope that they don't drop some games that they shouldn't because they're missing what I think is going to be one of their best players, probably their second best player, maybe their best player this year, depending on what Livers does. So that's where I'm at. So in your story, there was still Disney World, uh, Disney, yeah, Disney World at the end of that story. Do you see a bump in the road here with the first six, seven, eight games he's going to miss, but there could still be Disney at the end of Michigan season? You know, I, I think that he can rebound from it. Obviously, it's not a Langford situation that he's going to be out till January, um, but I do think that it slows his development. I mean, that first month is where you kind of get into a groove, and he's going to have to do that probably once we start even into Big Ten play. That's a lot tougher than playing, you know, holy – trinity of the waters um (laughs) it's it's a big difference i need to look at the schedule to kind of go through what games he's gonna miss in the end i think it'll be okay it's they still got a huge uphill battle to contend in the big 10 um obviously michigan state is i think gonna run the table in the big 10 and uh that's maybe an obstacle if beating michigan state is the is disney world i'm not sure i see it (laughs) but but I think that they can contend and make the tournament, and that's what I'm hoping to see. Um, but they, they need to gel as a team, and a lot of times that happens early on. Nice. Don't sleep on Holy Trinity of the Waters, <laughs> They got some major upset potential. Well, you never know. Is it New Jersey Institute of Technology that took yeah. us out a few years back? So NJIT. Watch out for Holy Trinity of the Waters. <laughs> Hopefully there's not, like, if that's a real university, they're really going to be so mad waters. at me. <laughs> I think those two schools are in the same conference, so <laughs> we can expect great things. Stony Brook, NJIT, Holy Trinity of the Waters. You better you better fact check that real quick while I get into my comparison. So Michigan and Michigan State football, 
pretty big disappointment for this year. You know, MSU coming in as this highly touted defense, looking like they're going to just shut everybody out. Michigan's now got the spread offense with the hire of Josh Gaddis. Both looking like they're going to be doing really exciting things, both possibly contending for the Big Ten title, and the matchup between these two teams seemingly going to be legendary. Now, both teams are out of contention. They don't have any sort of chance. And the matchup between these two teams is all they have left. And it's basically a land squabble between backwoods idiots. Nobody really... The expectations for these two teams are through the floor compared to where they were at at the start of the season. So for me, my comparison is the movie Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) So as a fan of the original cartoon Avatar The Last Airbender, I was so excited for this movie to come out. It had a multi-million dollar budget. I looked it up earlier. It was like $150 million. Um, where that compares to other movies, I don't really know. But they had plenty of money to... I don't even know where they put it, honestly, because they didn't hire big actors. They had missing special effects. Um, <laughs> the story was terrible, which I don't understand how that works because you have the story perfectly written out through four chapters of the cartoon. They couldn't pronounce the main character's <laughs> name right. It's Ang, not Ong. <laughs> How on earth do you even get a job in creating movies for people's entertainment if you can't even get the main character's name right that's pronounced in the very first episode of the series that your movie is being made after? I had a lot of expectations for this movie. M. Night Shyamalan was you know, known for having at least surprise endings and interesting uh, titles. Um, up to that point, he hadn't really had too many disappointments, I don't believe, and that was definitely the keystone disappointment of my existence, watching that movie just absolutely bomb. So that's where I'm at with these two teams. You know, um, I didn't expect Avatar The Last Airbender to be the best movie of the year. I didn't expect, you know, Michigan or Michigan State to necessarily beat Ohio State, but I expected some pretty great things, and they did not deliver, and I am very disappointed, just as I'm disappointed in M. Night Shyamalan and everybody who was involved in that pitiful production of a movie. I think if I was to use that same example, they both teams would probably have to lose every single game for the rest of the year. Because <laughs> that, that was such a big disappointment. Um, shout out to Logan, who is my Facebook meme dealer. And he, he recently posted a meme about Avatar Last Year. Did he really? Yeah. It, it's a picture of um, all these hands, like creating this circle and grabbing, like creating a, a link of their arms. Hand, um, hanging on to each other and like each hand has the caption that's something good about the show and it's like great plot incredible animation top-notch writing one of the best villain redemption arcs of all time and it goes around like describing how this is the best cartoon ever and then the movie is just like a master class in how to destroy beauty like it is so bad and i was just appalled it honestly that's kind of extreme uh but it is disappointing for sure to be where we're at for michigan and michigan state uh football but yeah that i will never forgive and never forget that movie that's just it's like a dagger through the heart i'm glad you chimed in there i knew you'd have some uh some thoughts on that very strong thoughts he has redeemed himself with the uh split franchise that he's been working on that's amazing so just continue doing like original things do not touch beautiful things that are made by someone else because obviously you have no ability to do that 
So the the last disappointment chart we're gonna do is uh, with one that we're all. This one won't be as extreme. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna give you guys an option of which route I'm gonna take on this. I'll let you vote on it. I think you know which one I'm choosing. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about the Lions and the disappointment there. We spent a good 40 minutes talking about that last week. We lost again this week. Uh, a big need to win game against Minnesota. Didn't win. The disappointment at this level in the season is very, very high. What's the record, Trav? Two, three, and one. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there the there's still a small light at the end of the tunnel because the season is long, and if you look at the schedule, it's winnable. But we're gonna judge this off of the disappointment right now, which is at an all-time high. We come off a huge loss to Green Bay. We lose again to a comp, uh, division rival, Minnesota. We trade away one of our defensive stalwarts in Diggs uh, for a fifth-round pick. For and, our and, we, and we gave a seventh-round pick. Yeah, great trade. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, and there's rumors. His teammates are super upset about it, too. Everybody Slay loved is him. so sad. I think Stafford was really upset. The, the whole team is pretty sad to see him go. Also, the defense has been awful, so... Why would you let's give up? Let's worse. let's give up more talent. Yeah, we gave up forty plus points to Minnesota, and I, I guess they're thinking, well, we didn't score forty, so we need to be able to score forty. So let's hurt the defense more. I think they're going to try and pick up a running back with the picks they're acquiring, but still, that's not digs. their issue. <laughs> that's not their issue. As you can hear, there's high levels of disappointment here. So, for my disappointment scale, I'm going to give you guys two options. One involves Adolf Hitler. Yep. <laughs> and one involves when I broke my leg as a freshman. Mm. Which which one should I go with? My vote is Hitler. <laughs> my second vote is both. Both. But the first vote is Hitler. Yeah, just just maybe do both and try to keep them somewhat brief. Okay. Leaning more heavily <laughs> on the Hitler side. <laughs> All right, I'll go with Hitler so first. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. <laughs> by, about this. by the way, we think Hitler's awful. Yes. Yeah, just make we, that clear. We do not support <laughs> And in no way, bringing him up on this means we support him. He's one of the worst human beings ever. Moving on. During World War II, Hitler kind of started that war, as we all know. Kind of started it. <laughs> Hitler started that Once war. Once again, we'd like to clarify, we do not support Hitler. Cody and I way. don't support Hitler. Travis, maybe. Oh, man. I knew I should have went with the broken leg story. <laughs> he, he might have accidentally... <laughs> all right. I can see how can some people carefully. might misunderstand his intentions. <laughs> all right, and stop possibly it. starting World War II. <laughs> so... Beginning of World War II, Hitler is just invading all of the countries there around him. <laughs> uh, Europe is getting invaded constantly by Hitler. And then Japan chimes in, at, in eventually and starts invading as well. Well, at the beginning of the war, Hitler was kicking butt. Also, not supporting this. He was dominating all the countries around him. He was even buddies with Russia. Uh, That's pretty tough to do. Yeah. Well, then, too, because ultimately Russia ended up on the other side of the war. Right. And part of the reason that they didn't win. So Hitler's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to destroy everyone. And he was. And then Japan got real cocky <laughs> and started invading Russia and then invaded the United States of America. And that was ultimately the downfall of Hitler's chances in the war. Because Hitler was beating up England, beating up Poland, everyone around him. 
because Japan started attacking Russia and chiming in on their land, Russia's like, all right, we don't like Japan. We're going to flip-flop. Russia became uh, an enemy of Germany, and ultimately that's why they Germany couldn't win more of Europe. And ultimately, because Japan up- attacked the U.S., Hitler couldn't win anything. There's your history lesson. So, so how does this tie in with the Lions? <laughs> Hitler thought he was having a great chance he was going to win the war. Then Japan goes, oh, I was going to do an accent. That's a bad idea. <laughs> um, I am incredibly glad that you did not try and do an accent. <laughs> Japan decided to attack America and it was all over. That's kind of where the disappointment is for the Lions. <laughs> Again, I do not support Nazis. I do not support Hitler or, or Axis powers <laughs> or racism. <laughs> uh but Hitler's disappointment in that moment had to be very high. When he saw the news that bombs fell on Pearl Harbor, he was just probably like, well, my season's over. <laughs> and that's kind of where we're at with the Lions. The Green Bay calls were was maybe when uh, bombs were dropped on Pearl Harbor of the Lions season. This is getting real risky. <laughs> These comparisons. Yeah, maybe, maybe just stop while we're ahead. <laughs> Anyways, highly disappointing. Second comparison. When I broke my leg. <laughs> a lot less risk in this comparison. <laughs> no accents? Oh, I think I think we lost Tra- this. Trav's like, oh no, I broke my leg. <laughs> Was that Irish? Yeah. I don't know, there's an accent out there. <laughs> just, oh, keep, man. Keep Let's keep moving so, forward here. <laughs> the other one, disappointment category uh, scale. Freshman year, high school basketball, was playing fourth year of fourth game of the season. First year on varsity, I was super pumped about playing varsity basketball for the first time ever. And this big school from Flint comes in to our home gym. And remember, we're this small school of short little white guys. And we saw this big, tough looking team walk in that looked like they were a lot better than us. So already we're intimidated by the game. Uh I so I even made a joke beforehand about oh we're just gonna get broken out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, time for warm-ups before the game. We're going through warm-ups. We have those rip-off sweatpants, you know. I think I still have these pair of sweatpants somewhere here um, because the school didn't want them back after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going through the layup lines, and I realized my sweatpants were undone on my uh, pant leg down by my shoe. So I start to button them up, but I can't get them buttoned up before it's my turn to do a layup. And so I'm like, all right, I'll just button them up after I do a layup. I go do my layup, and as I jump up, I felt like somebody just tackled me from behind and hit me right in the leg. And I, was, I wiped out super hard. It looked hilarious. It just looked like I slipped. And I remember looking over into the stands and seeing this one girl who went to high school just laughing her head off. Uh, then I tried to get up, and I couldn't quite get up. Because uh, my leg was broken from slipping on my sweatpants. <laughs> and I remember seeing her face afterwards go from laughing hysterically to, oh. <laughs> and uh, the disappointment there was about where, uh, probably where the Lions are at right now. They just lost digs. They lost two big games. Their seasons, they, they might feel their season's done, even though there's still 10 games left. Uh, that's kind of where my disappointment level was at. And... Uh, one of the more disappointing things in my life, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and probably that's where Diggs is at as well, now that he's shipped off to Seattle. Uh, maybe he's not disappointed <laughs> since Seattle is doing pretty good. But uh, that's our final thing on our disappointment scales. Hopefully that was a, a chance to go over all the negative things in the state of sports that's happening in a more light manner. Hopefully we didn't offend anyone <laughs> with some of those portions, but ultimately the goal was to cover it in a lighthearted manner. And I think before we move off of the Lions, just really quick, um, after the defeat against Green Bay, I was really worried after a crushing loss that you feel is stolen from you, the team can respond one of two ways. They can come together and just battle even harder because they're so mad. They just want to take everything. That's what I was hoping for, and that's what and, I said in the last podcast. And but. everyone I heard was like, this is going to happen. It seemed like the fans were thinking they were going to bounce back so hard. But a lot of times after such a deflating loss, the team folds. And I was really afraid of that happening. And obviously the defense just let the Vikings do whatever they wanted, especially you know Dalvin Cook was getting five yards every time he touched the ball. Um, and obviously Kirk Cousins just carved us up. And maybe just a quick hitter because I think I'm a little higher on Cousins than you guys. So what would Cousins have to do this year to get your vote of confidence that he is a good, a very good quarterback? I'm just curious. Real quick. I don't think he could do anything this year that would <laughs> give me the vote that he's a very good quarterback. So he could lead the Vikings to their first ever Super Bowl. Yes, because... Yeah, Flacco did that. Eli Manning did that, and Eli's a, probably a super uh, uh, Hall of Famer. But also, I wouldn't say he was a very good quarterback. He just won. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with if Kirk Cousins would do that. Yeah, it's tough for me to say because they have a good defense. They have a well-established run game. As a quarterback, all you have to do is manage the game. And Travis just named quite a few, not quite a few, but a few quarterbacks who were able to do that as a collective team effort. So it'd be very difficult to say, you know, if he just went off and just led the league in passing yards and touchdowns, that might be one thing. I don't see that happening. Um, But, yeah, it's difficult to say. I don't see him being put in a position to have to demonstrate that, that he's a very good quarterback because... As a team, I think they're pretty solid, and I think he really just needs to step in and do enough to manage the game. I think he could prove that he's a good quarterback. Oh, you don't even think he's a good, good quarterback? Uh, how high in the list of top 30 quarterbacks do you have to be to be a good quarterback? In the top half. Top half? Yeah. Okay, I'd put him in between 10 to 15th yeah, best quarterback. That, that's good. Okay, and I think then I'd give him a good and I sure. think very good, he's going to probably be in the top, like, seven to eight. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And okay. I would not give him that. I know, but... And that's very good? There's nothing that he could do okay. this year to put him in that stratosphere. Okay, what if Stafford won a, a championship? Is he all of a sudden a very good quarterback? Uh, yes, because he's I... He's already I, a very good quarterback in no. your guys' eyes. <laughs> he's already a good quarterback. I yeah, think so he's, is Kirk Cousins. I think he's ahead of Kirk Cousins on the quarterback scale. Kirk Cousins has a better team, better coaching yeah. leading that team. You put Stafford on a team like that, and I think he's a very good quarterback quickly. Quicker than uh, Cousins would be. I think Cousins could be. Could be a very good quarterback, but I don't think you, you're going to get him there for me this year. That's my issue, you know, having, being a Lions fan, you know, I pay more attention to them growing up, and I've seen the struggles of Stafford directly tied into never having any protection, 
His O-line has been atrocious, and they've never been able to establish a run game. And so, you know, I've seen the talent there, but he has not been put in an environment to thrive. Whereas with Cousins, he's a little bit younger. I still think he has some growing to do to be even at the level that Stafford's at. Like Travis said, you put Stafford in the environment at the Vikings, and I think he's going to do great. I do think he's a great quarterback because I'm a Lions fan. I pay a lot of attention to him, and I've seen the good that he's able to do, more so than probably other people are going to pay attention to him who are fans of other teams. Throwing Stafford into that conversation, uh, he just became the youngest quarterback ever to 40,000 passing yards, which, whatever you want to say about the offense, and he had to throw a lot because we can't run, that's still very impressive. (laughs) The quickest ever, though, in the history of the league. There was still a lot of really Brandon's good not quarterbacks. Impressed. I'm, also, I'm not impressed. Stafford also went through a lot of growing pains. He used to be a gunslinger that threw lots of picks. He doesn't throw a lot of picks anymore. He is able to kind of manage the team. I'm not saying Stafford's a great quarterback yet. He threw a decent amount of picks last year. <clears throat> he also was battling at injury last year. and last They year, don't play. <laughs> <laughs> the fan base, I think, would have turned on him, and I don't think he'd be with the Lions Who this cares? year. What, the fan base is only going to turn on someone if they don't win. You guys seem to care about the stats more than, for me, a quarterback who can consistently lead his team to victories, that's all I want. If, you he, think if Nico he has Collins, to run the ball for 200 yards, I don't care how he does it, but if he can consistently do it, that's why Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady's not going to lead the league in yards or touchdowns. Do you think Nico Collins is a good wide receiver? A very good wide receiver? Mm, no. No? He's, he's a good receiver with a lot of potential. Just like Stafford has so much more potential than Kirk Cousins. He's got a way better arm. He's got the, the skills that he has, I think, are much better than Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins <clears throat> tends to have more victories. And at this point, the Lions have had Stafford for how many years? A long time. I think it's 11. You've, you've had time to build a team around him. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a lot of years there where you were throwing to the best wide receiver in the game, and you know another Hall of Famer, maybe the best ever at their position, gets forced out early because it's the Lions. So I, I'm not bashing Stafford. I just uh, I'm curious. A little bit. I'm, yeah. I'm, no, I like Stafford. I don't think he's. I don't think he's the problem. I'm just wondering where if there's some consistency of uh, how we're rating a quarterback's uh, worth or their their value. I agree with what will, you're saying. For instance. I really liked Alex Smith when he was with the 49ers. Alex Smith was kind of the Kirk Cousins-y, uh, um, Eli Manning, Flacco kind of guy. Who He just managed that team so well that they won a lot of games. Ultimately, he lost his spot to uh, a quarterback, Kaepernick, because Kaepernick at that time was a really good quarterback and was doing things the league wasn't prepared for yet. Um I'm also not supporting Kaepernick being in the league right now because ultimately the league learned how to defend that and he became a bad quarterback. But there, I value a quarterback who can get wins, but I think you also have to look at the whole team, kind of like you just did. And so what I was trying to get to is if Stafford was with this Minnesota team, I think we're saying he's a great quarterback. Yeah, I would hope so. I'll admit to that Lions bias um, just because they're the team I pay the most attention to. If I was an outside fan of either of these two, these two teams, I would probably rate him and Cousins on a, a fairly equal tier. But because I'm a Lions fan, I've seen that the struggles that he had is directly tied to his supporting cast. And you say, you know, he had Jumbotron to throw to, 
But they would swing. Jumbotron. Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I do this like once every other week. Megatron. <laughs> well, Jumbotron was really Shut good. Up. <laughs> that was so funny. Wow. Rewind it back a sec. So you say he had Megatron to throw to all this time, but he would just get absolutely swarmed. And combine that with zero time in the pocket, you still have something that's really tough to uh, establish on a consistent basis. You know, sometimes they would just go off together because, of course, that's a premier talent in the NFL that you have at your disposal. But you mentioned Tom Brady. Nobody will ever have the type of surrounding talent that he's had over the years. Also, with the just collective genius of that coaching staff, I think you put Stafford with the Patriots. is not going to be nearly as good as Tom Brady, but he's going to be pretty fantastic. Well, that's a little bit of my point. Tom Brady, I think most people refer to him as he's more of a game manager than a than an elite physical talent. Mm-hmm. But his knowledge of the system he's running and just of defenses allows him to be the best quarterback in the game. So I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with having less physical ability as long as you're able to consistently win. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, a lot of years, does more with less. You know, this year he does have a lot of good targets, but you know there are years where you've got the no-name white receiver that all of a sudden is getting a thousand yards. That he has a great year, he goes to another team because he's a free agent and gets paid to do it rather than the minimum of whatever Patriots pay him, and then he does absolutely nothing outside of their system. So I think there's something to be said for the player that elevates the team around him. Now I think we've gone off too much of a tangent. We should probably move <laughs> on, but. Um, that's a good tangent. The Lions are playing the Giants this weekend, a winnable game. They've got a streak of winnable games coming up, which we'll spend a lot more time talking about them in the next few podcasts because I think they'll win a few of those and we'll be back on the, hey, the season's maybe not over yet train. <laughs> uh, I think so. We'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, as long as Stafford can outdo Danny Dimes. He's, we'll see. He got outdueled by... We'll uh, see. There's, there's no question he should be able to. He should be, but the Lions' mojo is so sad right now and i'm just gonna back up i am not bashing stafford at all (laughs) he played really well last week Mm -hmm. the the fault is on their defense and here's the thing kirk cousins is a good quarterback he becomes a bad quarterback if you pressure him do you know how many pressures they got on kirk cousins throughout the game how many one wow they do their stupid like three-man rush and just drop into coverage it's the NFL. People are going to get open eventually, especially with your slow linebackers who can't even <laughs> stop the run anymore. I'm, I'm done. Move on. That was the only point I was trying to make is that I feel like we're evaluating the quarterbacks on different criteria. Yeah. Other quarterbacks being able to be game managers and Stafford never even getting that chance because he has to prove himself with his skill because his team isn't able to get him in the position where they can manage the game clock, establish the run, dump off passes. You know, he's having to bomb the ball because they find themselves behind early. And, yeah, we'll, we'll put that behind. Let's jump into the next segment, which is a preview of a game where a quarterback is going to have to play like a great quarterback in order to come out with a W here. And we're looking at Michigan State versus Penn State. Uh, big game at East Lansing this weekend. Uh, we'll probably all be watching it. Uh, Brandon, what's your initial thoughts and take on that game this weekend? Well... When Michigan State plays Penn State, my mind just goes to that awful trophy that they play for, the land-grant trophy. Um, (laughs) There's a picture of it with, like, laser lights behind it because it is an atrocity of a trophy. But um, I like trophy games, so I think it's fun. 
Michigan State has not seemed to struggle against Penn State recently, but this is a game that I have a hard time seeing Michigan State scoring a lot on Penn State's defense. Penn State has a very good defense, and the the biggest matchup, I think Michigan State has to find a way, because Michigan didn't, they need to find a way to slow down K.J. Hamler. Um, I'm looking at the trophy right now. It's It looks wow. like it was pasted together by <laughs> a kindergarten class. It's got like three different little statue things on it. It's got the Sparty, a Nittany Lion, and then who knows what on top. Like a, It looks like a trophy of a football player you'd buy at a hobby store. And then like the plaque names on the side. Wow, that is I told not you. a good trophy. Wow. <laughs> it's awful. I, I, like you, though, I love a good trophy game, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, so I... If I had, I think it'll be a close game. I really do. Um, I, I don't see this going Michigan State's way in the end. Uh, Travis, you point out the stat that Penn State has won like their last twelve, I think, on the road against unranked teams. So they don't lose on the road against inferior opponents. Michigan State at this point is inferior to Penn State. Penn State, after watching Michigan, I don't think Penn State is a juggernaut, but they're also well coached. And they do have one really elite receiver with awesome speed that can take advantage of Michigan State's suddenly shaky secondary. So that's a big matchup. I do think that Penn State will win a game that is probably lower scoring. I want to go back to the trophy real quick. (laughs) As I'm looking up pictures of the trophy, a lot of them are build-your-own land-grant trophies. (laughs) That's how ridiculous this trophy is. It's just a tall, brown rectangle with a put-whatever-trophy-you-want-on-top, your want-a-grand-prix-trophy, your little-league trophy on top, a -a build-a-bear shelf on the side with this one has a Hulk for the Spartan, (laughs) and then just glued-on pictures like you would do from fourth-grade history, state history, of, like, their Capitol buildings. It actually looks pretty similar. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have a report from studying East Lansing when I was in fifth grade that looks very similar to a lot of these pictures I'm seeing on this. So, man. I saw you looking up the photo out of the corner of my eye while I was talking, and I just... I saw it, but only in peripheral. I thought it was the real trophy, but that that is just a homemade piece of garbage. Um, So I think a huge thing to look for is Michigan State is coming off a bye. This will be a really good way to evaluate their coaching staff's ability to game plan. Um, If they come into the game with a, a plan to attack Penn State and to defend against their offense, this will be huge for Michigan State season. I mean, if they can come away with a victory all of a sudden i know it's not the season they still wanted but they can still rebound if they lose this game i think that the arrow is permanently pointed down uh at least for this season but maybe even in the future it's it's hard to be optimistic especially if penn state is able to come in and take the land grant trophy home (laughs) yeah i think this is a another scenario of a quarterback who is a pretty good game manager i would say but he's not going to be in the situation, uh, talking about Lewerke, where he's going to be able to just manage the game. I think he's going to find himself behind. Uh, Penn State does have a good offense. And uh, coming off of not a bye week, but prior to that, getting gashed by Wisconsin, I do think Wisconsin is on a level above Penn State. I do think Penn State is a little bit overrated. But I think Penn State is going to get ahead fairly quickly. I do think it still is going to be a low-scoring affair, like Brandon said. But overall, I don't have confidence in this MSU offense. Uh, I think Lewerke is going to struggle under the pressure, and 
it may be fairly close, but I don't expect to see hardly anything from this Michigan State offense. One thing Brandon said that I thought was really good before we recorded this podcast was uh, I said when you see a team that's ranked sixth in the nation, my immediate thoughts are, wow, they are really good. Uh, And Penn State's ranked sixth right now, I believe, in the nation. Uh, And I, I think most of us think they're not necessarily a great team this year. They're good. They haven't lost, which is what you need to do, and they've beat who they need to beat. Um, but in comparing them to a Michigan State team, most of us think it's at Michigan State, it's for a trophy, it's not something that Michigan State might not get blown out and could win is where I'm kind of at with it. But Brandon said something about there's in college football there's really these almost tiers of great teams where you've got the ones that have been at the top for a while, um, we all know who they are, and then right after that, and usually it starts in like the fifth or sixth spot, are these teams that are pretty good, who are having a good season, but you're still not totally sure if they're legit. That's where I think Penn State falls right now, is they haven't lost, they're going to come into East Lansing, and I think we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams. Uh, if I was going to bet on this game, I think I would pick Michigan State to win. Oh! In East Lansing, I like Lewerke on a bye week. Um Ooh. <laughs> I know. Uh, there, I don't know if there's been a whole lot that sh- – I think there's been enough to show that it, Michigan State's got a little bit of fight in them. Lewerke has been playing pretty decent this year. Stewart leads the Big Ten in receptions and yards. Uh, not necessarily – I don't think that should be as glaring because if you look at the wide receiver yard leaders in the Big Ten, most of the top receivers are on bad teams. And it's probably because they just throw to that one guy and they don't have other options. That might be what's happening at Michigan State. But I do think Stewart is a game changer. Lorkey could do that this weekend. It's in East Lansing. I think those are big variables that we need to take into account. That being said, I think Penn State is pretty good. But we also watched Penn State last week. Um, and <laughs> the funny part about watching Penn State last week, we were all camping in our in the parents' motorhome in a campground with no Wi-Fi, no, uh, it was camping. And so we were trying to figure out a way to watch or listen to the game. We ended up circling around Brandon's phone and watching the whole Michigan versus Penn State game. And so watching Penn State, uh, were you guys, did you think they were amazing? Do you think, what do you think of them? <laughs> well, are, are we moving into reviewing Michigan versus Penn State? Or sure. is this they just can, part of They can probably review. blend together. as okay. we're, we're kind of reviewing Penn State as they're going to play Michigan State from what we saw from them last week. What I saw from Penn State is a talented team that is not more talented than Michigan. Um, as far as talent, they might be a little bit above Michigan State, I think. You know, you look at recruiting rankings, they're going to be quite a bit higher. Uh, Michigan ha- has recruited better than Penn State, but not by a ton. Um but they're coaching. You know, they came into that game with a plan to attack Michigan's safeties with their fastest player. They knew what they wanted to do in the first half, and then they did it. Now, I think that they did kind of come off the gas a little bit in the second half, and Michigan was able to come back into that game. Penn State is... I, I think that they are a little bit on a mission this year. They seem mm. to have a really good direction about them. I don't think that they're elite, and so... And, and Michigan State has been known to even take out elite teams in the past. So I wouldn't put it past Michigan State to win this game, but I'm not going to go as far as Trav to, to bet on it or to say that I think it's going to happen. Um, 
But I, I was impressed by the plan that their coaching staff put in, and I do think that that defense is legit. The thing I'm going to watch for is Michigan State's offensive line holding up against the defensive ends for Penn State. Those guys are legit, and they've got some really good linebackers as well. I actually thought Lewerke played really well against Ohio State, and Ohio State has a good defense. So he'll have to have a similar performance. In the end, it's going to come down to what the coaches can do with this off week and to rally the team. But, uh, so yeah. to close out our preview of Michigan State versus Penn State, uh, without giving a score, we want to give who, just who you're picking to win it and maybe a point of why. I think I've obviously made it clear I'm yep. <laughs> picking Penn State. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And as to why, I just think it's going to be a – that talent's going to win out. Um, I'm just going to assume at this point that James Franklin knows well enough not to overlook Michigan State. You know, last year they they came into that game, you know, the year before even, they uh, they lost in, in a game that had a really long delay. They, had, they lost when they had Saquon Barkley. I mean, so, talent doesn't always win. But I think he's probably learned that MSU is always going to be a tough out, and so they're going to game plan just like they did against Michigan. They're going to look. They're going to have to spend some extra time to plan how can we take advantage of Michigan State's weaknesses. And honestly, at this point in the year, we know Michigan State has some pretty glaring weaknesses. Especially, you can attack them through the air recently, um, and you can stop their run. So, I do see Penn State taking this game more seriously and and winning. I'll jump in because I think you'll sandwich me in with a Penn State sure. pick code. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, that's right. No, go ahead. Uh, not to steal your thunder. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Penn, uh, Michigan State just partially because they had that week to prepare. Like you said, Penn State knows that they're a hard out, and they Michigan State's had this time to prepare. I do think Lewerke is kind of coming into his own a little bit this year if he has time, and I think – if Mark Antonio is as good as he wants to be remembered to be, this is a game where he's got to show up and he's got to prepare these guys to to show up. And in the past, he he has, and he I think he's proven himself on bye week games like this, where he can come in and have his guys prepared with a game plan. Maybe get the ball out of Lewerke's hands quickly uh, at first, give him some time, get it to their playmakers. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Michigan State with the upset at home. But uh, my confidence level in that is pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, you were right. I'm picking Penn State in this game. Um, you know, the unpredictability of college football is nothing quite like college basketball. But it still is a game where still anything can quite happen. I mean, we just witnessed Illinois taking down Wisconsin. And, like, who would have predicted that? Certainly I wouldn't have. But... Um, I've mentioned before the trademark of great teams is able to put away the teams you're supposed to put away. And so far, Penn State's been able to do that. Uh, Trev, I think you mentioned it was like 12-0 and or something on the road against unranked teams. Mm. And Brandon mentioned Penn State. They look like they're on a mission. They have a good direction. I have confidence in what this team's doing right now. They're not elite because, I mean, from the competition they've played so far, they haven't put them away uh, in a total bloodbath, but they've done enough. They've done what they needed to do. And, I mean, it's really hard for me to really speak much on the issue. I think you covered it perfectly, Bran. Penn State's going to do what they need to do. I think it's going to be fairly low scoring, but I have confidence that they'll pull it out in the end. Yeah, yep. Penn State's got, they're on a mission, and that mission 
doesn't get stopped until they travel to TCF Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, <laughs> where the Golden Gophers <laughs> are going to knock them off their undefeated season. When P.J. Fleck ends up at Michigan. <laughs> Don't stop doing that. We need... <laughs> I hope we are thanked in his acceptance speech of the new coaching job because we're really pioneering this effort to bring PJ to Ann Arbor. Yep. Spread the word, everybody. <laughs> we are the, the founders, the forerunners of the PJ Fleck to Ann Arbor train. Uh, should it be or a boat? boat? <laughs> Come on, Brand. Total mistop. We're crossing Lake Michigan all the way to Ann Arbor. That picture of George Washington crossing the Delaware. I just picture in PJ Fleck with his bald head standing on the bow of the ship, ready to lead into Michigan. It's going to be some type of boat to cross Wisconsin, <laughs> Lake Michigan, and all of Western and Central Michigan to get to Ann Arbor. That would be. That'd have to be a pretty skinny boat. <laughs> With the rivers. Anyways. Yeah, so I was picturing a land boat. <laughs> let's let's move on to what, our review. What, while we're still talking about Penn State, this might be a good point of time to, for Brandon to bring up a topic he's pretty uh, passionate about, which includes uh, James Franklin and some comments that he may have made. Brandon, you want to jump into that? Okay, so post-game, Harbaugh questioned some of the officiating. Um, I have no problem with that. I do think that Harbaugh didn't do it super well. I mean, most of the things that Harbaugh says, he doesn't word well at all. Um, I think it's just hard for him and his brain to come out <laughs> with the words that sound good out of the mouth, you know? <laughs> so I I was I was kind of like, I appreciate him trying, but he did it really poorly. But uh, the next uh, press conference, this would have been a day or two later, um, Franklin, James Franklin was asked about it, and he basically tried to throw some shade at Harbaugh. He said, you know, in my years here at Penn State, I have never questioned the officiating, and I will never question the officiating. That's not what we're about here at Penn State. He tried to act like it was this holier-than-thou thing, like it is absolutely wrong to question the officials, and he will not do it as the coach of the Penn State. <laughs> and it made me v so... V is trademarked, Brand. You can't say that. No, that fell through. <laughs> it made me so sick. I thought it was just so stupid. And first of all, I understand, as a coach, part of your job is to represent the conference, right? Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. You can't be questioning the officiating every time. But you know what is the first part of his job? The first bullet point there? To lead his team. To protect his team. To stand up for his team. The authorities on the field, the officials, they have the ability to shape a game. Mm -hmm. And if his team is to is has the game that they're fighting for ripped out from under them, it is his responsibility to stand up for them. If he is unwilling to ever question the officials, he is a bad coach. So you told me everything I need to know, James Franklin. You're <laughs> you're a horrible coach that thinks he's better than everyone else. It made me so mad. Um, I really hope this weekend that Michigan State wins on some refing technicalities that really burn Penn State. Yeah. And I would love to see what James Franklin has to say in that situation. Yeah, I would just say there's a fine line between a coach that shifts the blame entirely on penalties and fails to take responsibility for their own shortcomings. And so that's what I think the danger is there. I'm not trying to defend him. I think you need to find that little bit of a sweet spot because these days, um, whatever it is, officiating has gotten terrible. 
um, especially in the NFL. But you said it, it really is becoming more and more often that the officiating is really shaping these games. And so a failure to be able to even ask a question, you're right. That's, that's not fair to your players. That's not fair to your fans. Uh, we deserve more than that. His players deserve more than that. Um, so I understand a little bit where he's coming from because you know what? You can't really control the officiating, and so you have to do your best to win the game. But I agree with what you're saying. You you should be able to at least question it. You just have to make sure that you're able to take responsibility as well. Yeah, and I'm not sitting here putting the blame for that loss on the officiating against Penn State. However, right. that first half was officiating really poorly. Um, I have no problem saying that it was very heavily... The, the, the refs were looking through some white-out tinted glasses, okay? <laughs> they were heavily influenced by that atmosphere. And I do think it took some points off the board. Um, that Nico Collins pass interference is garbage. That and, was horrendous, yes. Horrendous. And Penn State could do whatever they wanted. So I... At no way am I saying it... it completely changed the game but at one point in the first half Cody stopped watching the game because he said (laughs) it reminded him of watching the Lions versus Green Bay it just felt like that game was determined and Michigan was getting the they were getting screwed every single time and they they kind of got out of that they played themselves out of that in the second half but I mean it's just like I understand you have a duty but when I was a teacher my first (laughs) job was to teach second uh, second or third, a lot of times I was a sponsor. I'd help the senior class with their fundraisers and stuff. I'm not going to not teach my classes because secondarily I'm going to go sell chickens. It's not <laughs> like I'm just going to leave my first responsibility for some fifth or sixth responsibility. That's not how it works, James Franklin. You need to lead your team. And sometimes that means standing up for when there are wrongs being done to your team. So James Franklin... You're garbage. Um, <laughs> You're garbage. Jim Harbaugh needs to learn how to talk. I give you that. His his comments were poorly worded, but I have zero problems with a coach calling out officiating, especially when it is it is poor. Officials are not above reproach, and if they are, we have a problem with accountability. So we kind of got into it already with how we thought that Penn State-Michigan game went. Uh, let's dig a little bit further into a review of that game. So... As we, as we all know by now, Michigan played Penn State last week, lost, uh, had a chance to win, which was closer than a lot of people may have thought, uh, except for Cody, who really called it last week and said he thought it was going to be a close game. Uh, and really, your review, if you go back and listen to it, you were spot on with what uh, actually happened. In... Fat bully, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, ended up losing by a touchdown. Yeah, 28-21. 28-21 with a chance to win at the end. Did you guys like what you saw from Michigan? Did you not like? Obviously, we don't like that it wasn't a win, um, but where are you at after that game? Are we talking about the preview at all? or Not, not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, yeah, it's difficult for me to say. It's because, like Brandon said, these two teams are very similar in talent. And so... You know, it was a very close game, but in the end, you could just see the strategy, the direction that this Penn State program is taking is much more well-founded than the Michigan team that just kind of looks hapless from week to week. They're still trying to find some sense of identity and confidence, 
every week we're going into the game, well, I hope we win. <laughs> I mean, we played against Illinois and barely scraped out a victory. I mean, I guess we pulled away from them at the end, but it was like a three-point game at one point after the end of the first half against Illinois, which I guess we should give more credit to them because they took down Wisconsin. Don't you love college football? But I do. <laughs> it's just it's difficult for me because I want to have hope in this team because of the talent that's there, but I don't have faith in the direction that they're taking, uh, what the coaching staff is doing there. Uh, so it doesn't give me confidence for what lies ahead for them. In co- college football, it is hard to predict what's going to happen. Uh, just last weekend, I talked with a guy who was at that Illinois-Wisconsin game, and he just said it was the best football atmosphere he's ever been in. Who, What Illinois fan who went to that game expected that oh, they would man. beat Wisconsin? And before that field goal was kicked, I know this is kind of a tangent, but just why college football is great. Uh, the Illinois fans were clapping and cheering on their team. <laughs> they called a timeout so they could kick a last field goal. They hadn't won yet, and the fans were just cheering that they had an opportunity to win that game. They, they had not won yet, and the crowd was just so happy of where it was at. Uh, I understand they probably would have been upset if they lost and missed the field goal, but I just love to see that, and really that shows – why college football is great and that Wisconsin game it's telling a little bit and uh as we look at Michigan and the work that they did maybe we can look at Wisconsin or Illinois and say maybe that wasn't a cakewalk game for some of these teams maybe Illinois has a little bit of meat to them uh I'm not sure I believe that that's really a maybe statement <laughs> so maybe Minnesota is actually a top 10 team right now because they just put them away with ease <laughs> uh Minnesota maybe Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't think they're a top 10 team either, but uh, Michigan, getting back on track five, a little bit like uh, in that game, I did like some of the offensive stuff that I saw. I thought that was the last game I was going to give Shea a chance in because I was ready, like Brandon talked about last week, with how annoying it is when fan bases blame their quarterback and are just done with them. Uh, that was me. <laughs> I, was, I was ready to jump off the Shea wagon because – Watching him do his RPO reads, so many times they could open up their offense if he just took the ball and ran with it once in a while. Uh, I don't necessarily know how great he did on that front, but he did have a good game. He looked like a good quarterback last week against Penn State, and so I liked that. Um, But, again, disappointing that we went in and lost a game where we could have won, where we could have tied. It's just the disappointment is setting in, and it's becoming – I'm almost becoming callous to it <laughs> because we're getting it pretty much every weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think to start with what I, I really liked. So last week, obviously, on the pod, I I was really worried that Michigan was going to get punched in the mouth and then they would collapse because that's what they always do. And that's what happened. They got down 21-0. 21-0. And this is... I'm talking about what I was encouraged by, so this is kind of weird. Uh, they bounced back from 21-0 like I've never seen them before. That was awesome. I, I When it hit 21-0, I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I was completely right. Like It's I just going right to complete – it's going to even snowball worse than 21-0. I thought it was going to get so ugly. But Michigan bounced back. That was awesome. That kind of fight – and so they played an awesome second half. Uh, Harbaugh almost called a shot at halftime. Apparently, he talked to the reporter and said that this would be Michigan's finest hour. And they were that close, man. That type of fight, if they can roll that into an entire game, this is the type of team that 
with the second half effort for 60 minutes could give any team on the rest of their schedule fits. And mm-hmm. I, I, if you play that offense against Ohio State, you could keep up with them score for score. Now, the defense is another story, <laughs> but that's what speed and space is supposed to look like. In that second half, they scored 21. It should have been 28. And if you can replicate that for a whole game, boy, you, you've got a stew going. I mean, this is looking good. <laughs> so that was really encouraging. That was I haven't seen that fight before. And no. that's that's what I was talking about with like the Captain America, I can go all day. They <laughs> bounced back. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. I was watching Batman Begins the other day. You know, throwback <laughs> to a fantastic movie. Fantastic. And uh, Rachel almost redeems her character with this line. Uh, she's talking to Bruce, and he says he's kind of embarrassed because he's trying to be like the playboy part of Bruce Wayne, and she sees him doing that with the models swimming in the restaurant. And he says, you know, I'm not this. I'm more underneath. And she says, Bruce, it's not who you are underneath, but what you do that defines you. Mm. And Michigan <laughs> underneath, every year on paper, they're champions. We're going to win the Big Ten. <laughs> on paper, we've got the best receivers. Shea Patterson is a five-star. Jim Harbaugh, oh, right? On paper, <laughs> they're so good. They're paper champions every year. But what do they do? They lose to the team's that are decent. Penn State's good, right? Yeah. Penn yeah, State's yeah. beatable. Yeah. They should have beat Penn State. Yeah. But what do they do? They That's didn't. who they are. You go back to that first half. Here's the negatives. They let Penn State's best player beat them. I don't care if you're in the professionals in college. If you are a junior high basketball coach, you find a way to neutralize the other team's best player. When I was in Little League... I had one tournament where I went off. It, the ball was a beach ball, all right? Two, uh, How many home runs did you hit in that there game? There was three games, and over the span of three games, I had three home runs. That's all pretty right? great for Little League. Well, actually, it was two games I had three home runs because the third game, the championship game, they walked me intentionally every time I got up to bat. Jeez. I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 11-year-old, bigger than he should be Brandon, right? I mean, I think I stopped growing at like 13. <laughs> But they knew if I if they would pitch to me, I was going to hit another home run. I was on fire. <laughs> and they, they walked me like four or five times. Mm. And I believe we lost that championship game. Wow. But you know what? I didn't beat them. I just walked to first. <laughs> and you know I'm not stealing. <laughs> I mean, this that that's 11 and 12-year-old uh, baseball. Yeah. And Michigan has no plan, or at least their plan is, We'll match up a safety on KJ Hamler, the fastest guy on the field. Or Uche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our defensive end is going to try to chase him down. That being said, Uche, oh man, he was doing some coverage and played great coverage as a defensive end. Sorry to interrupt your rant there, I, I actually really liked that, that chase down. That was kind of funny, and I appreciated the hustle and the heart. <laughs> but, but not great play design. No. <laughs> so my point is, what kind of coach... If some dad knows to walk the husky kid that's hitting home runs, <laughs> if they've got a kid that can outsprint even your fastest cornerbacks, you need to find a way to not let him beat you, and that's what happened. And in the first half, he, by himself, put Michigan basically out of the game. And so for Don Brown to consistently think, I can match up man-on-man and win consistently is foolish and is causing this team to lose. That is ridiculous. 
Um, like I said before, I was encouraged by the second half performance, but not once this year have they put forth a full game. And so at this point, that's who they are. I don't expect to see a full game out of them because they are a team. They're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They play one half, take another quarter off, maybe play decent another quarter. You never know who you're, what you're going to get with Michigan except for a defense getting burned and an offense looking like it should have been better than it was. So I just have to go back real quick. Do you have a problem with Batman Begins Rachel or just her replacement Maggie Gyllenhaal? Uh, both. You don't like, you don't like first original Rachel? Okay, first Rachel is way better, but her yeah. whole, like, I love you, but also I don't because you're Batman, but also I'm super attracted that you're Batman. <laughs> like, that is garbage, and that is a poor representation. If I'm a woman, I'm mad because Rachel should be way smarter than that. She fights for justice, but when it comes to Batman, it's like, I don't like you because you have a mask. And he's like, Batman's just a symbol. no. Your other mask. And she's like telling him that because he has to pretend to be like the different Bruce, that she doesn't like that. Oh, so like, Rachel, just pick something, okay? He's fighting <laughs> for ju- justice just like you. He just wears a cape. Would your wife like it if you were rolling around in a fountain with models? They weren't dating. <laughs> but he wanted rolling to Rolling around her. with models in the fountain is completely fine when you're single. <laughs> And you've got money to burn. If she wants to have him settle down, then she needs to tell him, hey, we're going to date seriously, and you're not going out with those models anymore. All right, well, that little segue took the turn I hoped it would. But let's move on to the preview of Notre Dame. Um, What we saw from that Michigan-Penn State game, how that affects our outlook for this week's matchup. Well, one cool thing about previewing Notre Dame is we've got a Notre Dame media member here, uh, Brandon, Actually, uh, as part of his job as a freelance writer, got to cover the Notre Dame-USC game. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was a really cool opportunity. I got to sit in the press booth. Um, that was a first-time experience. And to watch such a historic rivalry, um, it was just awesome. And especially to see the talent on, on both both sides. I think watching Notre Dame, they, they're going to present a real challenge to Michigan. I do think that Notre Dame is probably a lot like Penn State, hmm. a really good mm-hmm. team. I was thinking the same thing. That is not elite, but they've got they've got the talent and they've got good coaching, and so I'm I'm a little nervous about this matchup. Um, watching them play USC, they played with a lot of heart. I mean, there were some some good scuffles during that game. Uh, USC has has a lot of talent, but isn't coached as well. I don't think. Um, and they found ways to neutralize their their better players. USC has good running backs, great receivers, just like Michigan, but they didn't let them beat them. And so I, I'm a little nervous about this game. I think what it's going to take for Michigan is playing like the second half against Penn State to do that all four quarters, and they can beat Notre Dame, but I just don't I don't see it happening. You know, you, you think about the players that Notre Dame has. Ian Book is a good quarterback. He's a dual-threat quarterback, very similar to Shea Patterson. Um <laughs> And he, he presents that dual threat that Michigan doesn't know how to defend, apparently, for the past 10, 20, 50 years. <laughs> um, however long quarterbacks have been allowed to run the ball. <laughs> uh, 10. They've got, <laughs> they've got a really good receiver. We, we like to think that Michigan has the best receivers. Um, but Chase Claypool is a, a specimen of a receiver. The guy is big, strong, fast, and he's a team leader. They've got a tight end, uh I think it's Cole Komet. Um, I hope that K is not silent. <laughs> but I was really <laughs> impressed by him during the game. He's also a 
College baseball pitcher. Oh, Emmet? No, it's a K-M-E-T. Oh, gotcha. So could be met, but okay. I, I thought sure the announcer was announcing it as Komet, but I, I could be wrong. I, I'm not a Notre Dame fan by any means. Either way, he's pretty good tight end. Covering their team, I, it was I was very impressed by. He's a another guy, very strong, um, good hands from what I was watching. A lot of speed. They've got uh, running back that's going to be really tough. Michigan has struggled to defend the run against teams that can get a guy out in space, um, and they've got guys who can do that. Uh, they've got a receiver that they kind of use as almost like an H-back, like Ohio State. Braden Lindsey is a really fast guy, but then their main running back uh, is Tony Jones Jr., and he absolutely dominated USC. The guy runs so hard. He kind of reminded me of Karan Higdon, actually. Um, that's not something you want to see coming against you because it's kind of like the human bowling ball that is just hard to tackle, finds the hole, bursts through it, hard to take down. There's a lot of talent on Notre Dame, and their defense is, is really good, too. So Notre Dame, the last few years, has done really well at getting a running back like that. Just a little bowling ball that's good for... Ripped little guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, ripped little guys who can just burst through the hole with a really good chance of busting a 5- to 15-yard run pretty consistently. That could be tough on this Michigan team. Um, you feel they're pretty similar to Penn State. It's a home game, though. It's at the Big House. Huge difference at the Big House. Under the lights, where a lot of people talk about under the lights at the Big House. The Big House is awesome enough, but when you're at a night game, the atmosphere is just even better. Do you think that plays a factor in the chances for Michigan has tonight, or this weekend? Well, definitely. I mean, right now they're actually favored to win. So, unfortunately, that means that Jim Harbaugh will still not have any wins as (laughs) an underdog. But... um, but Vegas thinks it's a huge difference. Wow. That's amazing how big of a difference that makes then, that they would favor Michigan, who has lost some big games lately, and Notre Dame, who uh, have has had a great season so far, uh, to give Michigan the favorite there. That really shows how big of an impact that home field advantage is. We saw it last week at Penn State with a whiteout. And Brandon said how the refs seem to be looking it's almost through. Almost like officiating has a hand in how the game goes. Mm, no, Bran, you can't say that. <laughs> uh, we're gonna fine you five thousand know dollars. If I'm a coach and I'm getting paid millions of dollars, fine me. I don't care. <laughs> like Lane Kiffin, he got fined five thousand dollars the other week because he posted on Twitter a picture of blind <laughs> officials. I saw that. I love I, that. I did too. If I'm a player. I feel justified. I feel like my coach is my back, and he doesn't even care if he gets fined because guess what? He's got to call out the the junk, the crap. He's going to say, you know what? That's not right. It has to be better. That's fine. We're okay to say things have to be better. I'm sorry. <laughs> my biggest concern with this game, I think our offense is going to be able to hang with them. I think I got really excited that we showed some fight and put together a strong second half last week. What I'm nervous about most in this game is Don Brown and the defense. Because I can't remember a game (laughs) in the last few years where I felt like he really put our defense in a position to win the big game. Uh, And this is a big game. This is a Notre Dame team that you think what you want about Georgia, but they... uh, Georgia is a good SEC team who, before the season, before that game, and before the, the game before, that they lost, um, people were saying they had a chance to make the playoffs. And they still might. It's the SEC. They could battle through that. But Indi- Indiana, Notre Dame battled through that game, and it was a tough one. So I think we're in for a dogfight this weekend. And I don't know 
who I'd favor in it, but I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, you kind of took the words a little bit out of my mouth there. Um, with the Notre Dame-Georgia game, the point I wanted to make was that was at Georgia. Yeah. And that was an incredibly close game. Uh, I would I would maybe – it's tough to say. Um, I definitely see Notre Dame as almost synonymous with Penn State, maybe even a little bit better, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, me too. And this Georgia team, like you said, um, you know, they may have beat up on some cupcake SEC teams – um, and that's all they've really had to do prior to the Notre Dame game. But this is a pretty legit Georgia team. And I would just have to ask you guys the question. If you imagine Michigan going down to play at Georgia, do you imagine the game being as close as the Notre Dame game was? No, no, not at all. I think Michigan gets destroyed. And the reason is, like I said before, Michigan doesn't have an identity. When you have an identity, yeah. you can go away and really compete. Well, and the, that's the, something that this Notre Dame team can do. So I think mm -hmm. the home team advantage is definitely real, but I do not think it'll be enough for the Wolverines to overcome. I don't think the. I think you're right. The it, identity is lacking, but when they do have a semblance of an identity, it's at home. Yes, that's very true. And so something about when they play at home, Harbaugh, one of the players even said it before the Penn State game, uh, before those home games, they get to jump in their hot tub, they get to get massaged. Like, they're in their zone. It sounded really ritzy and kind of stuck up of them to say it. Yeah. But they have it so good at home where they can just get in the zone. Everything is built for them for them to get there. Oh, well, away games aren't that way. And I think you got to get over that as a team. It's football. It's not about getting massaged during a hot tub. you got to get up for every game, especially yeah. when it's a big one, especially when it's away. But... It's kind of flip-flopped a little bit. So I wonder if maybe we took away the hot tubs and massages. They wouldn't be as big of a culture shock when we go and play outside of our state. Or we would lose our home games. You might, we <laughs> might also not get as many recruits. That's true. I think it's going to come down to which team is able to be more balanced. Um, Michigan has been all over the place. You're not sure what you're going to get, right? Defensively, there have been times where they have shut teams down. Second half, Penn State. They were really good. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's more the defense shutting down and making adjustments or Penn State starting to get away from what got them to that first three-touchdown lead, um, as, as well as the offense. You don't know if they're going to come out looking electric like the second half or completely lifeless in the first half. You know, that first half, we didn't see this because we were trying to figure out how to get it able to be watched. Michigan's first play from scrimmage, they called a timeout. They The first play, how does that happen? How do you not have a single um, – how, how can you not have a plan drawn up already <laughs> that you're going to execute on your first play? It's, it's ridiculous. So I'm a little bit nervous because Notre Dame is incredibly balanced. Mm -hmm. They've got a good running game, good passing game, solid senior leader quarterback, good defense. Um they're, they don't have uh, K.J. Hamler. That could be huge. But they do have a very well-rounded team that, at this point, I got to say I'm siding with Notre Dame winning a close game. I just can't trust Michigan to play a full four quarters. But if they do, you know, they could prove us all wrong. And they could – I think just maybe throwing this out there really quick, what could redeem this season for Michigan? I, th I think that they need to win two of their three rivalry games. This one in Michigan State? They absolutely have to. Beating Ohio State would be enough to get excited about next year, to think that they could be legit. I, I wouldn't plan on that um, at all. <laughs> but 
<laughs> that's necessary. If they if they can only if they lose to Notre Dame and they can only beat Michigan State, I honestly believe that they should consider strongly replacing Harbaugh because that is not an acceptable record for this Michigan team. Mm-mm. If they lose to Michigan State and they don't win any rivalry games, I think it's open and shut that this is not a winning coach um, who can't provide the good culture necessary to to win the big games. Um so that, I think this game is huge. They, it's, I think it's a must-win for Harbaugh. It's a must-win for the team's attitude to not just take a nosedive the rest of the year. And I think uh, it's going to be a tough one. But he, what's huge about this that I hope that they take into consideration, this is the last scheduled game against Notre Dame. They do not have another game on the schedule until they're able to make a deal. And I know last time it kind of got shut down because... Because it's not a rivalry. Because it's not a rivalry, according to Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. (laughs) One of the dumbest things you could ever say. Oh, my... And because it's not a rivalry, we do not have another game to look forward to in the near future. So hopefully they're able to get the series renewed. But this is a must-win unless you want the bad taste of Notre Dame beating you again Mm. on your your mouth. As a a Michigan fan, looking at my history of... uh, fandom and my feelings after these games as of late knowing what this team has done to me and how I feel after these big games I've I've got to probably bet on Notre Dame um knowing knowing all the facts you just laid out of how it's going to make us feel afterwards and how down we've been lately I just know it's going to continue (laughs) that seems about right uh but one of the big stalwarts for Michigan's offense is probably gonna be Ronnie Bell again he gets thrown to 10 times a game, uh, if not more. He's targeted a lot. Um, if you watch that Penn State game, you know how Michigan's offense ended that game with a touchdown opportunity that slipped through Ronnie Bell's hands, kind of hit him in the chest and the hands, and ultimately didn't catch it. Michigan lost by a touchdown. Uh, that kind of exploded on social media and fans, uh, really taking it out on Ronnie Bell a little bit. Brand, you want to talk about that? Well, maybe I'll let Cody lead off because I think I've got kind of an unpopular opinion on this. So maybe, so I, I guess maybe we'll frame it this way. Is it, what is okay when it comes to criticizing players? And is is Ronnie Bell free game to criticize? Like, what, what's your take on that? I think within your circles, it's fine. I think people who are, and it's hard, I guess... We definitely hold professional athletes to a different standard because we do it all the time. But when you see a young kid like that just getting blasted on social media, that's that's hard. I, I want to say anybody that's just doing that openly kind of seems like they're lacking in a little bit of class. Oh, yeah. So it's it's difficult to see a young kid like that who wants to help his team succeed. It's not like he dropped the ball on purpose. And I know that's a big blunder. That's huge. But that's a difficult question. I mean, I think if you're going to be a classy individual, keep it to just, you know, casual talk. Don't post it on social media because of the world we live in. Things blow up, and that's good. he's got enough to deal with. <laughs> it's hard enough for this kid to stomach the thought that he could be the individual reason they lost that game. Sure, there's more going into it, but it all culminated in him dropping that pass. That's enough for him to deal with without having to deal with all the backlash on social media. So... Yeah, keep it to yourselves or your friends. Don't spread it online. That's what I would say. I'm okay with a little bit of criticism. It, 
if we're going to crit it's tough i was going to say if you credit we we love criticizing when it's due because for paid positions so refs right. they're paid to get to do the job that is a job of theirs uh ronnie bell isn't necessarily paid however it is sports there is a fan base if you don't do what you're supposed to do there's room for criticism however you shouldn't probably be emailing that player personally <laughs> or the coach. Right. Uh, and how many times do we criticize people on this podcast? Pretty constantly. Yeah. And I think that's okay because it's part of the fandom of sports and it's partially what makes sports great. However, that one drop ball doesn't define Ronnie Bell. No. None of right. us are going to be emailing him saying, You suck. I can't believe you're on Michigan. Uh, because he is on Michigan, and he's part of a team that we love watching and love supporting. So we love supporting Ronnie Bell. It just sucks that he didn't make that catch, but how many of us, we all played high school sports right. and some, if you want to call it rugby, our college sport. <laughs> <laughs> and We did some things where if it was in more in a spotlight, people could have criticized us plenty. Sure. Um, and that would have sucked, putting us in a personal state. But I think it is okay to criticize to an extent, you got it in a respectful manner. Right. And I have to jump back on that because it's pretty hypocritical for me to say, like, just don't even put anything online. Like, we do this stuff on our podcast. Like, you're right. We do <laughs> criticize, but you need to have awareness for when it becomes harassment. Mm-hmm. And that's just what he's had to go through. Like, that's totally uncalled for. Don't email the kid, you know. <laughs> Isn't like, that like you said. what happened, Brandon? Okay, so to for all we know, there was one email... <laughs> That basically said, do us all a favor and never play again for the University of Michigan. (laughs) So, first of all, that email probably sent by some guy drunk after the game, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Ronnie Bell receives the email. Uh, First of all, you guys probably know, during the game, when players make horrible decisions, and I do this kind of half-jokingly, but when they make awful plays, sometimes I do yell... Cut him! Take his scholarship! <laughs> and it's just like knee-jerk reaction, yeah. okay? But, and I'm not defending it. Sending that email <laughs> is is a pretty, it's a garbage move. But you know what? How many of us have never received a bad email, right? I mean, you should have seen some of the emails I received when I was a teacher. It's like, whoo, buddy, this parent hates me because <laughs> I want their child to learn. Like, oh yeah. I mean, Travis, as a manager, uh, you're probably receiving stuff all the time. And I manage a lot of pretty young workers who are high school or college age and their parents half the time if if we're trying to help them grow as adult workplace people yeah just like a teacher yeah they hate it they do they really do and so that happens in real life ronnie bell is a man he's gonna receive hateful things sometimes and yeah that's i'm not defending it but your response to adversity is what's important and what he did is he forwarded it to his dad who posted it all over social media and then he, his dad posts, I would just like to sit down for lunch with this person so I could discuss parent to fan. So you're just going to like low-key threaten this person? Yeah. Like that's, that's the, you're literally stooping to their level. But if we criticize people so much, we're going to create a joker. And <laughs> we were all given the lesson on not criticizing from one of the best movies ever, Ace Ventura, Bet Detective, oh Ray Finkel, the kicker for the Miami Dolphins ended up being the villain in that movie because he missed a kick because the laces were out and he missed the kick and everyone hated him and he disappeared. (laughs) He ended up turning into a woman and becoming a detective and ultimately she was the bad guy. She was Ray Finkel. 
And that's what we're creating here. Ronnie Bell's going to end up being Ray Finkel because you're criticizing him, Bran. Man, Ace Ventura, <laughs> that's a convoluted plot. <laughs> Have you not seen that one? I've seen it. I just didn't really remember until you it's started. It's been a long I, time. I'm man. now picturing that weird scene. Anyways, <laughs> um, I, I do think that, you know, sending an email and a lot of social media stuff is pretty classless. But it's also the world we live in that there's going to be a lot of people chiming in on social media saying stupid stuff. And as an adult, you need to learn to filter it out. Yep. And as a, a college athlete, you need to learn to take the good with the bad. When you signed up for Michigan, you signed up to play in the biggest stadium in, in America. And you're going to play under the lights. There's going to be huge crowds. And when you catch that pass, people are chanting your name and screaming. And it's great. And when you drop that pass, you also sign up for going to away games in also huge stadiums with 110,000 people in a whiteout. That's part <laughs> of what you signed up for. And you can't just expect only good things. In major college sports, if you make a mistake, people are going to point it out. Now, it's not that you should do it jerkily and attack a person's character or you know, uh, like any threats or anything like that. But to point out that that catch should have been made and that it would have resulted in the game probably going into overtime is, I think, okay. And I'm saying this as probably between the three of us, probably the biggest fan of Ronnie Bell. I think that he's a a good receiver. I don't think he is as talented as other guys, but I really do like him. I like his story as a guy who was supposed to be playing basketball rather than football. But I also see a guy that on big stages seems to, his eyes get a little big. His first game he started against Middle Tennessee State, game that I was there in Ann Arbor, (laughs) he was awful. He was horrendous. He couldn't catch a pass that hit any of his hands. Like Ronnie I mean, Bell's dad is listening to this. I know. I'm going to have to meet him for lunch. He's going to beat me up. But <laughs> that's the price I'm going to pay because I think that it is okay to state facts. Mm-hmm. And so far, Ronnie Bell has been Michigan's leading receiver. He's gotten more targets than anyone. And he has also shown that he has yet to make that clutch, clutch play. Mm-hmm. And that's not to attack him. It's just to say that's who he is right now. Who what he does is going to define him, and he has a chance to bounce back from this. That was a good callback right there to uh, your Rachel quote earlier. Rachel, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I agree with you. I think uh, I think everything you said is correct there. And ultimately, I'm really excited to watch the games this weekend. College football's great, isn't it? Mm. Even when our teams are struggling, there's still it's a pretty short season. We still have hope for, a, you know, we can come out. There's these rivalry games. Michigan State's playing for a trophy this weekend. <laughs> what, even if it's the ugliest trophy ever, uh, they still got that trophy to play for. Michigan has this non-rivalry game against Notre Dame this weekend oh. that <laughs> we're all excited to watch. So, uh, ultimately, Ronnie Bell, go out there, do your thing. And if you yeah. don't, we'll be disappointed and email you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah. something to just to throw out there, I don't think anyone of us especially – is going to say that that game comes down to only Ronnie Bell. Right. I mean, I'd put more blame on uh, Don Brown than Ronnie Bell. It just so happens that Ronnie Bell dropped the pass at the end of the game. One pass. But the defense gave up 21 points at the beginning of the game. How many other passes were dropped in that game? Oh, Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped more passes than Ronnie Bell. DPJ dropped a lot of passes in that game. So all of those guys, in my opinion, are free game. Uh, Criticism is a part of life. You need to learn to deal with it and not blast it on social media. Preach. Um, but that's that's just my opinion on that, and hopefully I won't get roasted for it. Yeah, and I gotta add. If in, I do, cause... that's fine. 
playing it over in my head more and more. I don't like the way I initially responded because, you know, regardless of what we say or what Ronnie Bell's dad says, people aren't going to stop criticizing people on Twitter or just being horrible people. Well, they shouldn't, though. They shouldn't. No, I'm not by any way justifying (laughs) what they do. But I am a firm advocate of prepare your child for the environment. Don't try and shape the environment because it's not going to change. And so that was a good summation, Trav, that you had. I'll allow that to kind of end. If you guys want to criticize us, if you guys think what Brandon talked about was baloney, give us the... the, Half the stuff I say is baloney. (laughs) You have the freedom to email us and tell us that it's baloney. Go on Jonesing for Sports, Jonesing for the number four, sports.com. There's a contact portion. Go ahead and write Brandon a really meanly worded email. Uh, it's a really easy to do on on the website there. Tell him that he's wrong about you can't say anything bad about anyone. And then I'll read it on the next pod and make you feel like an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the voting is still really close for our new sign off. Uh, continue to send us in your recommendations or any recommendations. And uh, <laughs> we would definitely take them into our consideration. But for now, just remember, Ohio sucks.